Hi everyone, I'm Thomas Whiteside. I'm the Director of Student and Media Ministries here at NOVA. Uh, I have been the one that's been doing the majority of the filming and editing the videos that you have been seeing going up. Um, but it's cool because today I am getting some help. Smile, wave, Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Today we're gonna talk about the Garden of Eden. Uh, many of you know about the Garden of Eden. You know it from the Bible or have seen it depicted in cartoons or paintings, you know, with Adam and Eve standing there and some really clever placement of plants. Uh, let's read a portion starting at Genesis 2, verse 8. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. And then in verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And so Adam and Eve are there with God, partners with him, taking care of the garden, following his way, which enables life to flourish. And in this time, everything is right. And then, as we know, something goes wrong. They eat from that one tree. They chose the one path that leads to death and destruction instead of flourishing life. Humanity goes their own way. And so since then, life has been difficult for humanity for a long time. And all throughout the biblical story, when life is difficult, the biblical authors turn to the imagery of the Garden of Eden because they longed for a return to Eden, that place where humanity was with God and all they needed was provided to them. So in the hundreds of pages after Genesis 1 through 3, we have things like the tabernacle and the temple that were decorated with Eden imagery. And as the Israelites wander in the wilderness, the promised land becomes their hope of a return to Eden. And this longing to return to Eden is all over the Hebrew scriptures. And this way of telling a story of paradise lost and longed for is so common. We do it all the time. Uh, I was recently watching uh, The Thin Red Line, which is a movie set during World War II on the Pacific Front at the Battle of Guadalcanal. Uh, and it begins with a soldier who is AWOL. He's separated from the other soldiers and choosing to live peacefully among the locals of a small South Pacific island full of life and joy and vitality. And then he's brought back into service and sent into battle. And I thought this was such an interesting way to begin this huge war movie. You know, throughout the movie, we see different soldiers struggling with life and its meaning, with suffering and death. And mixed in with all that, we get glimpses of what different soldiers have left behind, the good life that's been taken away as they enter into war. And they're all struggling with their personal Eden being stripped from them. And they're longing to go back, to return to the good life. 
It's incredible that the same structure that's in the biblical story is actually present in most movies. And it's a really simple formula. You know, they start off with things going well, and then something disrupts that. Something tragic happens, and the rest of the movie is the conflict and action to get back to that state that was lost. And for whatever reason, often end up in a state that was even better than before. And let me show you the whole story of the Bible in the most simplified version that I can. You see, we start in the Garden of Eden. Then things go horribly wrong. But God acts in such a way to bring us out of this conflict. And then we end up back in Eden. But it's not the Garden of Eden like before. It's this garden city that doesn't have just two people in it, but a multitude that can't be counted with a developed, flourishing civilization. And the narrative describing our eternal home in Revelation 21 and 22 is full of Garden of Eden imagery. It's not some place in the clouds. It's this earth restored to the way that it should be, to the way that it should have been if humanity didn't jump onto another path. And that's where God is bringing us. Through the Bible, we get a glimpse into the end of the story, our future, And so when the Israelites were going through their trials in the wilderness and hoping for a return to Eden, we get to see their hope become a reality through the pages of Revelation. All right, so we looked at the Bible through this pattern that a lot of modern stories use, and I want to give you one more, very briefly, for the kids especially. It's one of my favorite movies, Inside Out. In this movie, we have Riley, who is 11, And we get to see into her head at the emotions that are at the controls. And at the beginning of the movie, Riley starts at a pretty good place. Her emotions are in control, running a good ship. However, we see quickly how a crisis turns her whole life upside down. And then, by the end of the movie, as most movies, everything is restored. But not just back to how it was, it's even better. And she only got there because of the actions of certain people in her life, like her parents, and the actions of her emotions. It's a fantasy story. We roll with it. And so we see how a crisis leads people into action to make it all better, which is also what we see in the Bible. God acts to bring us out of our crisis. And he does this repeatedly in Scripture, But in the most zoomed-out picture of the Bible, looking at the story from beginning to end, we see how God acts through Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection to start something new, and how God will bring about the new creation, that garden city that we talked about. But what is God doing in the meantime, in this upward slope here? Well, through the resurrection of Jesus, God has sparked a time in humanity where we have been made into new people, shaped by the resurrection. We have died to our old ways of life, and God has made it so that we have the ability to choose the right path and to choose to partner with God to make this world flourish, which naturally leads us to act. Throughout the story of the Bible, the primary way that God acts is not by acting alone, but by partnering with people. And now we have been made new. We have this spark of new life in us that enables us to make this world a better place. 
all the while doing so in such a way that gives people a vision for what is to come. That garden city that God is bringing about, we get to be heralds of this good news. So what's the best way to give people a clear vision of what is to come? It's to give a glimpse of that reality right here. And so what can we do to bring about the garden in the present? There are a lot of ways. Uh, There is a brief story about the early church uh, when there was a famine that struck the land. Uh, It's at the end of Acts 11, and it's the simplest of stories. A famine happens, and what did the church do? Well, everyone who was able sent supplies to those who needed it. That's the story. We don't live in Eden any longer. There are things like famines and earthquakes and natural disasters. And what is our role in times like this? To make things as Eden-like as possible. When there isn't enough for someone, we share. We provide. We fill in the gaps. And we do it because we've been empowered as God's hands and feet in the world. It reminds me of something else. The Tiki Movement. Back when World War II had just ended, we had a great deal of troops coming home from having battled in the South Pacific. And while war was hell for them, in their downtime, they also experienced a very different culture that they were now bringing back to the States. And this, coupled with a variety of other factors, like the popular tales of the South Pacific, book, musical, and movie, it led to an American obsession with the exotic. And you can see its mark in films like Blue Hawaii with Elvis Presley and in the Enchanted Tiki Room at Disneyland. Uh, Even restaurants and bars began to cater to the imagination, creating spaces that were full of adventure and mystique, serving food and drink that was new and exciting, you know, to give white-collar suburban families a taste of the exotic without having to leave their hometown. And that's just what this movement began a desire to bring the adventure and excitement of these tropical, exotic locations close to home. And it doesn't get much closer to home than the classic Hawaiian aloha shirt. Because who doesn't want to feel slightly exotic on a casual Friday in the office? So, just as the tiki movement set up outposts of tropical paradise right in the middle of suburban America, the church is meant to be outposts of Eden, right here between the times, between the resurrection and the new creation. We are to be signposts of this greater reality that is to come. And we do that through our actions, by providing for others when there isn't enough, like running a food pantry or serving in feeding the hungry, but certainly not limited to official programs run by NOVA. Most of the signs of Eden that we give off come through everyday life, making that phone call, or helping your kids with their homework, or giving your introvert spouse some time alone, or to my youth students, being nice to your siblings, please. (laughs) When you do those things, you're bringing a taste of Eden into the present. We all get the chance to participate in this story. God has given us a role, pointing forward to the new creation. And in this broken world, we could all use a little Eden. Okay, a moment of honesty here. I am really tired. (laughs) Uh, Like many of you, I am exhausted. And this quarantine stuff has been really hard. 
somehow, simultaneously, I have both too many and too few people in my life, and I don't even know if that makes sense, but that's how it is for me. You know, probably one of the most life-giving moments in the past month was actually our Monday Thursday service that we did over Zoom. Over 100 people all signed online and turned on their video cameras as we took communion together. And there was something truly beautiful in that moment. Being able to see everyone and then all eating the bread and drinking the cup at the same time. I miss seeing you all. And that's why I wanted to preach this message that I did. Because at least to me, one of the most important ways that God uses to bring comfort is through other people. And I already know the big truths about God, that he will make this world into a flourishing place where we'll spend eternity and where death and sickness and pain will be no more. But sometimes that seems so intangible. But a word of encouragement from a friend or seeing hundreds of your smiling faces just makes it feel within grasp. Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus in this time. Let's take care of one another and our neighbors Let's bring heaven to earth, Eden to the present. Amen. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Take care.